listener production. Hey there, welcome to your afternoon edition of The Briefing. I'm Bencion Siebert. All this week, we've been bringing you a series on how to get your financial life sorted in 2024. Today, we're tackling a big one. Should you be aiming to buy a house this year? And if so, how the hell do you get there? A lot of us have basically given up on this idea. I know I'm basically in that boat. We hear that it's too expensive, it's too hard, it's out of reach, it's near impossible. But it's also the dream. Never having to deal with a landlord again. Being able to paint a wall or knock down a wall if you want to. And setting yourself up for the future. Dr. Andrew Wilson is a real estate analyst and senior economist with Domain, and he's here to help. Andrew, how tough is it to buy a house in Australia right now? Well, I guess it's, um, you know, there are many parts of Australia, so it depends where you're looking to buy. Uh, And I think it depends also whether you're a a buyer that already has a property. So I guess you call you a a trade-in buyer or you're a first-home buyer. It's obviously very difficult for first-home buyers, particularly at the moment, um, not, well, there are a number of factors for that. It's always difficult for first-home buyers getting into the market. And, and I think that difficulty, in, in a sense, reflects the strong aspiration for home ownership that Australians have. Uh, if it was really easy, I guess that aspiration wouldn't be as high. But look, for first-home buyers, there are a number of headwinds. Obviously, higher interest rates. Interest rates have increased 13 times since May last year. And uh, so that's just the cost of finance. Um, and of course, you know, getting the deposit together is always a struggle, particularly in times of high inflation. And, and that's another significant headwind. We've got inflation running at uh, 5% at the moment. It's the highest level of inflation we've seen for a number of decades. So, uh, you know, it means that there's, there's more to spend. You've got a, more of your income is going towards just your general spend. So it makes it tougher to save. Um, and, uh, of course, the, the real problem, I think, for most first-home buyers is high rents, um, which acts as an incentive, obviously, to become a buyer rather than a renter, but it does mean, that once again, that, you know, that you're struggling to find the deposit because rents are rising, you know, in, in some of the capitals, uh, more than 20% annually at the moment, and no sign of relief there. Okay, so let, let's assume you are a first-home buyer or you want to buy a first-home why is it still a good idea to buy at all? Why is this an aspiration that you should have? Well, as I said, last year proves the resilience and sort of robust nature of housing as an investment in Australia. It's um, despite all the sort of negativity and the, the sense that uh, there's some fragility in being a homeowner, it, it again has proven last year that despite higher interest rates, despite high inflation, despite a lot of negative commentary, you know, markets still tend to find buyers and, and demand outstrips supply. And look, going forward, you know, the rental market's a horror story. We're just about to release our uh, rent report for December. Uh, and it's just another, you know, terrible position for tenants with rents continuing to rise and vacancies continuing to fall. And, and there's really no prospect that that's going to improve in the, uh, the short to medium term. So let's say that it's day one. I've properly decided I will buy a house. What's the likely timeline from then to actually putting a key in the door? Well, obviously, you've got to decide what sort of a house, home, unit you're looking for. And I think that's the the big decision is not looking at as as, as a capital investment uh, per se, which I think a lot, you know, a lot of buyers 
first-time buyers perhaps get distracted by. It, it's about being a home. You know, you've got to find what suits your circumstances, you know, what area you're looking to live in, what you're comfortable in, knowing that you'll be in that property likely for a number of years before you move on. And I think that's very important to focus on, you know, the actual uh, property that you're, you know, interested in rather than the sort of the market environment, if you know what I mean. So the idea of the first property that you buy, the idea that it should be the first step on a ladder, you think that we should think about it more as this is going to be my home for a while, so it, it should be the right one. Oh, well, yes, and that's a relative position. How long is a while? Um, I think that, you know, on average, you know, homeowners stay around about six to ten years in their properties, but this can vary. And I think it's important to be prepared to compromise you know, if you've got the, the 10 must-haves in terms of what your property aspirations are, you know, I, I think maybe if you can get seven, six of those, you're probably doing okay. Understanding that, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And that's the Australian story. You know, a lot of, I guess, in previous generations started in the outer suburbs with the new property and moved their way inwards. A little different now. Perhaps they're starting in the inner suburbs and moving their way outwards, you know, in an apartment. But, you know, as I said, I think you've got to be prepared to make compromises on your, you know, your must-have list and understand that, as you said, it's the first step in, on the property ladder. Is there a right time of life to be buying a house? Is it better to do it earlier rather than later, for example? Well, I think it's as soon as you can afford it, to be quite honest. And as I said, the negatives now are, unless you're remaining at home, you know, uh, it's... it's uh, you know, it's a horror story if you're a tenant at the moment or looking to get into the market as a, as a tenant, you know, given how high rents are and, and the fact that they're going to continue to increase given, you know, the circumstances that we just have too many people and not enough houses in this country. And it's not just Australia that's suffering from this undersupply of dwellings. It's, uh, you know, most of the US or certainly the big cities in the US and a number of um, cities in Western Europe are also struggling to house their populace. And you said as soon as you can afford it, but how, how do you know when you can afford it? Well, the banks will tell you that, and that's one of the positives that that we that the Australian housing market has. And, and I'm a firm believer that we, we have one of the most, you know, robust housing markets of, of similar advanced economies, and the data certainly confirms that. And a, a lot of that is because we have a very strict lending environment. We only have the four big banks. So, yes, they have plenty of market power, they make big profits, but because of that, uh, they're, they're highly risk-averse, uh, so they don't take risks with their lending criteria. It's basically set in stone that you've got to have a 20% deposit and you can only uh, repay 30% of your income uh, for, from your mortgage. And uh, I think that's you know held us in good stead because it keeps our lending policies quite you know, risk averse and uh, means if banks aren't going to take risks, then you won't take risks. Okay. So, all that said, give us your absolute top tips for anyone looking to buy a house in 2024. Well, I think it's just about personal circumstances. Be guided by the banks in terms of your capacity to afford a particular property. And um, I guess understand that we do have, and, and as I said, the data supports it and 2023 validated it, that we have a, a robust and resilient housing market through all the cycles. And, you know, that's a, a positive thing. And uh, look, I, I think the other tip is just look at what's happening in the rental market to understand that, you know, home ownership is even more 
critical to um, the security of tenure and financial stability than it ever has been. Okay, but if you were to point to any specific things like, I don't know, putting aside a certain amount of money every month or deciding on a particular uh, kind of property that you want, uh, are there any specifics that would help you get from, I think I want to buy a house to this is the house that I'm buying and putting the key in the door? Well, it's just compromise, as I said, about your, your selection of the property. You've also got to compromise on your income position in terms of saving to get that deposit. Um, I think it's important that you, you think about making sacrifices to get that deposit so you can get into the housing market, which has really longer-term benefits in terms of in terms of financial stability. Are there any, I guess, unorthodox ways of getting into the housing market beyond the general story that we're told about, you know, save save some money, get a deposit when you can, buy the house? Well, I'm not sure anything's unorthodox. You can describe that as sort of getting into the housing market. We are seeing, uh, I'm not saying this is unorthodox, but we're seeing a, a certainly a lot more uh, involvement from parents grandparents in terms of uh, leveraging their uh, grandchildren and children into the housing market. I guess that's what you might call a, an intergenerational uh, wealth shift, recognising A, that it's difficult to get that deposit to get into the market, uh, and B, the long-term benefits of being a, a, a homeowner, which obviously are validated by those parents and grandparents. But we are seeing that bank of mum and dad a, a lot more active in uh, leveraging first-home buyers, particularly into the housing market. So I'm not sure that's unorthodox, but I, I think it's a bigger picture and does reflect the difficulties of, for, for first-home buyers. And what about kind of the idea of less uh, nuclear family households? Like, for example, people considering buying with a friend somewhere in yeah. region, regional Australia that might be a little uh, more in the range. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, this this when you do have affordability barriers, which um, are nothing really unusual in Australia to get into the housing market, these uh, options uh, uh, become live, and uh, not just for home buyers, but even increasingly so for those wanting to get into the rental market, uh, looking to stay longer at home or move in with a with a friend or with siblings, you know. And this is just a, as I said, the big picture is we have too many houses, too many people, and not enough houses, and it just makes it tougher and tougher to get a roof over your head. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much, Andrew, for your time. I really appreciate it. Yes, you too, and thank you very much for the opportunity to speak today. Dr. Andrew Wilson there. He's a real estate analyst and senior economist with Domain. And we took to the streets this morning to find out how people are feeling about their prospects of home ownership. Is home ownership a goal for you? It's a goal, but I do think maybe an unattainable goal. I'm hoping our chat with Andrew makes things feel just a little bit less hopeless on that front. Head to our Instagram page by searching The Briefing Podcast to hear more responses and comment or send us a DM. That's all we have time for today. Sasha Barbagat and the Morning Briefing team will be back in your feed at 6am and tomorrow afternoon we'll be bringing you the final instalment in our personal finance series for 2024. This one's on how to retire early and comfortably. I'm Ben Sion Siebert. Thanks for listening. Listener.